holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another ArsCast on ArsBlog.com in association with my good friends at SavileRogue.com uh, who, in this particular episode, have got two of their fine cashmere scarves for me to give away uh, to two of you people out there who are listening right now. Uh, a very special show uh, this week, uh, as well as all the usual stuff. Uh, and reaction to the game since we spoke last. Uh, I'm very proud, I'm very happy to uh, to bring you an exclusive interview with the Arsenal chairman, Mr. Peter Hillwood. It's uh, fantastic that he's taken the time to talk to Arsblog, and that is coming up a little later on in the show. So, it has been all action since we spoke last, um, which was last Friday, and we had a game against Wigan on Sunday at the Grove, and uh, as usual this season... We've done our trick of allowing the opposition to score first. Sometimes it's due to a defensive mistake or a lapse of concentration. Uh, I don't really think there was a huge amount we could do about Lanzat's goal. It really was a, a cracking finish. Keeper had no chance. Defenders had no chance to get in the way. So sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say, that was a very good goal. But at the same time, you're concerned that once again, we've given the opposition the lead at home. Um, what can you say about the, the, the character of these boys since November? And since probably the game against Fulham, um, after which I believe there was uh, a team meeting where certain points were addressed and certain things were brought up, um, and it was decided amongst the boys uh, that they really had to um, change something. And it's not so much the football that needed to change, because we've, we've always played good football, but possibly something to do with the spirit of the team or, or the commitment or the desire and drive uh, in that you have to treat every game, whether it's against Manchester United or whether it's against Sheffield United, you have to treat every game with the same um, uh, point of view, I suppose. Uh, and you've got to give 100%, 100% of the time. Uh, and there are no easy games. You've got to hold your hands up and say, look, it doesn't matter if we're playing Wigan or if we're playing Sheffield United or we're playing Manchester United. If we give 100%, you know, chances are we're going to get a result. What was maybe happening before that was some people were coasting through games or we thought that our football would be enough to take us through. And and since then, um, I think we've seen something uh, very encouraging and very different. We can see that this team uh, refuses to lose. It won't... Uh, won't lie down without a fight, that's for sure. And once again, we, we came back from 2-1 down. Wigan, obviously, were very unhappy with the uh, Flamini-Heskey penalty incident. Uh, as I said in last week's Arscast, I didn't think Senderos and Yakubu was a penalty. In the same way that uh, if one of their defenders had done that to Henri, it wouldn't have been a penalty, in my view. Um, and I don't think Flamini on, on Heskey was, uh, was a penalty either. He touched him, absolutely, no question about that. But the point is, is, uh, is touching somebody 
an offense that, that merits a penalty? I don't think it is. If Flaminia grabbed him or pulled his shirt or, you know, jumped on his back, then absolutely, yeah, go down and get a penalty. In my view, Heskey bottled it because he'd missed two good chances and uh, he thought a penalty would be the easy option. I can understand Wigan's frustration at them not getting their player back on when we went up and scored. I don't think Flamini was offside uh, when he put the ball across for the own goal. And then, of course, we get uh, a winning goal through Thomas Rosicki, his first Premiership goal, and um, a timely one at that. And you could see how much it meant to him. Great spirit again from the boys and uh, a great three points. Now, I have to address the the whole time-wasting issue uh, and the incident with Thierry Henry and Chris Kirkland. Honestly, I couldn't believe some of the reaction. I read a piece by Rob Smith in The Guardian, and it was so over the top as to be uh, obviously just a, a wind-up in order to get a reaction from, from people who were, who were reading. Uh, he called Henri's reaction uh, to the goal, the way he presented the ball to Kirkland, as if to say, how would you like that time-wasting now? Uh, he called it reprehensible in the extreme. Jesus. I mean, some people need to get some perspective, honestly. It maybe wasn't Thierry's finest hour, but in the great scheme of things, it doesn't matter. And it was a natural, I think, a natural reaction born from the frustration of Chris Kirkland time-wasting right throughout the game, which, as I've said all week, uh, I can completely and utterly understand. But then you get uh, Jens Lehmann, who was booked for one little incident of time-wasting. Now, granted, he was taking the piss big time, and it was hilarious. Uh, but, you know, you've got to show a little bit of consistency there. And I understand Wigan being pissed off at Phil Dowd because Arsenal fans were pissed off at him because he's basically just a crap, crap referee. But if you're going to book uh, Jens Lehmann for time-wasting, how can you not book Chris Kirkland? Funnily enough, I rang up Wigan uh, the other day to see if I could speak to Chris Kirkland. Here it is. Morning, JJ. We fighting every weekend. Hello. Is that Wigan football? Yeah. Uh, can I speak to Chris Kirkland, please? Just one second. She hung up on me. Can you believe it? Some people have no sense of humour whatsoever, do they? Uh, then, of course, on Wednesday night, it uh, was the FA Cup fourth round replay against our old friends, Bolton. What a game that was. Two missed penalties. Uh, they hit the post. They hit the bar. Um, we could have had at least 16 goals in the first half through Batista alone, who really had uh, a, game to, a game to forget. Uh, but in the end, the boys came through and again... This is what I'm talking about in terms of the spirit and the determination that to concede such a late uh, equaliser, forcing the game into extra time. We lost Kleb, who was probably uh, our best player uh, on the night in terms of uh, ball retention, in terms of what he can do with the ball. He's just fantastic. I know he can really improve uh, his end product, certainly in and around the 18-yard area. If he could... uh, either make his mind up whether to shoot or to pass a bit quicker and he should shoot more in my opinion he'd be just he'd be just brilliant Rosicki went off as well and you kind of thought maybe maybe 
with Bolton being at home and us conceding so late, could we have folded? I suppose we could have done, but it just shows, again, that the uh, this team is not afraid of anyone and they're not afraid to dig in and grind out, uh, grind out a result. Fantastic second goal. Brilliant work by Ali Adier. And uh, Freddie, who had looked a little bit lost when he came on, he scored the kind of goal that only he could score. There was nobody else on that pitch who would have scored that goal. Uh, great first touch, great finish, and great credit to both Ali Adier and to uh, Freddie for, for scoring scoring that goal um, and Elka should have been sent off and um, quite how Allardyce has managed to uh, complain about the referee sending off Ben Haim for two obvious yellow cards and uh, keeps his mouth shut about the fact that an Elka should have been sent off considering we missed that penalty uh, and they could have gone up the other end and scored it might have been costly uh, overall though I thought the ref did very well he didn't uh, didn't fall for any of Bolton's tricks. Maybe that's why Allardyce was so upset. And of course, the last, uh, the last seconds, uh, Baptista managed to do something good on the night and rolled it to Adibayor, who scored his second of the game. Beautiful to win against those guys. Absolutely beautiful. And uh, I think it's something that we, uh, we'd all been waiting for for quite a bit too long. Let's turn them over now when we get them to the uh, to the Grove later on in the season in the league, and, and let's put this hoodoo well and truly behind us. Now then, in previous Arscasts, we've had some fantastic guests. We've had all those very interesting Arsenal bloggers. We've had Amy Lawrence from The Observer on a couple of times. We've also had Perry Groves when uh, he was launching that book, and we started that campaign to make sure that his book sold more than Ashley Cole's. Uh, today, though... It's something a little bit special, and I'm very, very proud uh, that Arsblog uh, has been able to speak to Arsenal chairman Peter Hillwood. Um, we spoke on Tuesday of this week, and we talked about the current climate in, in football and, and uh, the way that English uh, clubs are being taken over by foreign investors, and his thoughts on that and his thoughts about something like that happening to Arsenal. I asked him about Arsene Wenger and his first impressions of him when he came to the club and, and Arsene's role at the club in, in terms of being, uh, in terms of the board being very hands-off uh, with regard to football matters. We spoke about Highbury, about the new stadium and a couple of other bits and pieces as well. So uh, once again, I'm very proud uh, to announce that this week's blog chat is with Arsenal chairman Peter Hillwood. <laughs> Okay, I'm very pleased this morning uh, to welcome Arsenal chairman Peter Hillwood to the show. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me this morning. It's a pleasure. Look forward to it. Okay. Um, what I want to ask you first, obviously it's something that's very um, current at the moment, and that's the, the influx of, of foreign owners of, of premiership clubs. Um, I want to leave Chelsea aside because traditionally they haven't been uh, a big club, but but. Teams like Manchester United and Liverpool, along with Arsenal, have been the, the jewels in the crown of, of English football. Do, do you think United and, and Chelsea have, have lost something by, by selling out to foreign owners? Um, I don't think so. I, I think you can't stop that sort of thing happening anyway. But um, I would think that... I mean, Chelsea's rather different, but I would think that the people who bought Manchester United and the people who bought Liverpool understand about sports franchises and they're not fools, and, and they're not going to ruin the club, and they do understand quite a lot about the tradition. So I think it's probably beneficial to those two clubs anyway. There's a big difference, like you say, somebody who, who understands um, the sports franchises and, and things like that, but there is a big difference when clubs are, are run by uh, supporters, and obviously your family history uh, with the club, along with uh, you know people like David Dean and Danny Fisman, who are Arsenal supporters... Would it be more difficult uh, to see somebody come in and take over Arsenal, given that fact? 
I think it would be very unwelcome indeed. Um, I certainly wouldn't welcome it. We don't need somebody anyway. Um, and, and if you look at somebody like Danny Fisman, um, spent about seven years putting the new stadium together, um, it's been financed. And to then sell out and give the benefits to some stranger, I think would be um, very unattractive. Yeah, I think it is for most fans uh, as well. I think we would resist um, any any bid that, that might come along. Okay, that's that's good to know. Talking about the stadium, obviously when the, the project began, it was to to raise the uh, the income of the club and to 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 generate uh, you know more income to to put back into the team and to raise the club's profile is it slightly frustrating that that after that sort of work and all the hard work that's gone into it and and getting the finance etc the, the goalposts have been moved slightly particularly in terms of of what Chelsea have done who have have come in with a wealthy benefactor and have uh, been able to increase the 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 transfer value of players yeah i think that if, you, if you're competing with somebody who's uh, not particularly interested in the, in the costs of, of running the club, it's very difficult. But I would think you'll find Manchester United and Liverpool um, will run the business pretty sensibly. And so I think we can easily compete with them. Uh, although, the, as you say, the goalposts may have been altered or moved, but um, I think we, we can compete and... Um, that's what we're intending to do anyway. Excellent. Um, let's move on to, to Arsene Wenger because 10 years ago, uh, appointing somebody like Arsene was a very brave move. Um, and at the time, there was talk about Johan Cruyff coming in who would have possibly been the, the more high-profile manager that, that people were expecting. What were your first impressions of, of Arsene? Well, I met Arsene two years before we appointed him. And I was a bit nervous then of, of appointing a foreign manager. Um, we kept in touch, and, and then two years later, um, we, we decided that it wasn't such a terrible risk to take. And um, although nobody had heard of him, we had. And um, you know, Arsene, who was the headline, but um, he's very impressive, and, and he was impressive then. Okay. Um, one thing that Arsene always says is that. Uh, what makes him happy about Arsenal is the fact that the, the board leave footballing matters to him, 100%. Um, he makes all the decisions about about the team, about transfers, etc., etc. Was that something that in the process of appointing him, he said that he wanted, or was it a case that... Um, no, it's the way we've always run it. Um, you know, you appoint a, an expert, um, don't interfere with him, because he knows a great deal more about footballers and football than any of the boards could possibly ever know. So it, it seemed pretty obvious. And I don't think we had to say anything to him. It just said, you know, you're in charge and um, we'll, we'll spend some money if you want to. And um, otherwise it's over to you. And that's how he left it. And, and that's how it's been. And it's the only way, in my view, to run a football club. Okay. A lesson there oh. uh, for maybe some other <laughs> chairman to, to take note of. Yeah, one or two of them yeah. can't keep their fingers out. But I suppose it's uh, you know some of them view you know the club as as their thing. Well, they'll they'll ruin it if they if they interfere with the manager. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen yeah. we've possibly seen that down the road at, at Chelsea um, over the last few months. So, well, I don't know what's going on down there, but. Um, how do you view the the team at the moment when again 
coming back to the to the stadium, um, there was obviously a, a, a conscious decision on Arsene's part to to um, take into account that money was going to be maybe a little tighter than than it was in the past, and to develop uh, a youth team or a, a team of, of young players. Was there as well at at, um, at board level the sort of expectation that um, because of this um, policy? that the chances of silverware might decrease because for years we finished no uh, lower than second place and, and had challenged for the title. And now we're sort of into the second season without really challenging for the, for the Premiership title. Was that something that the... Hey, y'all, it's Matt Marr here, a.k.a. Maddie And Poodle, a.k.a. Jake Anthony. And we host the podcast 90 Day Gays. Poodle, I'm excited because Christmas is here. Aren't you excited? Bah, humbug. What's so great about Christmas? I'm just going to get another boring, straight-looking sweater from my Aunt Jane. Well, Poodle Scrooge, you tell your Aunt Jane to get you Best Christmas Ever on AMC+. Plus. You will love it. Oh, wow. They got all my favorites. Elf, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, The Year Without a Santa Claus. And y'all, AMC Plus is available on all your devices. So celebrate the best Christmas ever anytime, anywhere. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus. Only the good stuff. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Board expected. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we always um, understood that we were going to have to have a period of rebuilding and uh, transition. And um, Arsene isn't the sort of person who would go out and spend millions on buying players just for the hell of it. And um, we, this year, in the transfer window, we asked him whether he wanted to buy anybody. And he said, no, he didn't. So we said, very good. Thank you. <laughs> but he's got a he's got a very good young squad, and um, they're getting better every day. Is it um, is it a credit, or is it something that maybe only Arsene could do? Is to bring somebody like Cesc Fabregas from Barcelona at the age of sixteen and have him established in the team uh, at you know only three years later. Many people talk about about him as being one of the best midfielders in the world, but I think more than anything, what he has instilled in in someone like Cesc is uh, a great affection and a great love for Arsenal Football Club. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, he's a very level-headed young man. You know, apart from being an absolutely outstanding footballer, he's a, he's a very 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 well put together. He knows where he's going and what he's doing, and. Um, so I think that he's, amongst others, um, very much the future. Um, is is it something that that maybe Arsene looks at as well? Is not only uh, their talent on the pitch or, or their capabilities as a footballer, but possibly um, an intelligence, uh, something more. He than... likes people to be intelligent and, and well behaved. Yeah, and you don't read about any of our players. Um, getting in drunken brawls in nightclubs. 
not these days. You know, they, they look after themselves. And they're not that way inclined, Good. thank goodness. Yeah. Again, uh, one of the, not criticisms, I suppose, but, but something that comes up very regularly is, is um, uh, the lack of English players at Arsenal. But when you look at, um, let's say, Robin van Persie as an example, who came to Arsenal at, at 20 or 21 years of age for £2.5 million, and then you look at somebody like Ashley Young, who was recently sold from uh, Watford to Aston Villa for nearly £10 million. I know. It doesn't it, make any sense. No. So, uh, and actually, there, there is a dearth of, of talent. The, I mean, the, the best English players um, are playing at the moment with Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, primarily. And they're not going to let them go to us, not uh, other than a very silly price. And we're not prepared to pay a silly price. So um, we're trying very hard to develop um, young English players, um, but they have to compete with the rest of the world. And um, we haven't seen a, a midfield player as good as Sesk. And we haven't, I think this boy, Dent Nielsen, looks a pretty good player too. So we've... Um, I think we're very happy with the squad, and if we had more Englishmen, that would be great. But um, you see the England team playing Macedonia, you wouldn't have won too many of them. <laughs> That's true as well, and certainly not at the price that uh, the clubs no. would be looking for them. Or the match against Spain the other day, pretty disappointing. True enough. Um, <laughs> OK, I, I was looking at, at Sky on, on Sunday, and I saw Arsene saying that he, he drove past Highbury, and... Uh, it made him very sad, and, and he didn't want to drive past it again. After right. spending so much of your life at, at the old ground, how, how does it make you feel when you see it these days? Well, I think I got over the problem some years ago when we decided that we, we just had to move. And therefore, to be sentimental and fail um, didn't seem to be an option. And yes, it's sad to see the old place go, but um, it had to be. And... Um, it does give a little bit of a lump in your throat. I drive past it pretty well every time I go to Emirates. Right. And you see, it's rather pathetic, really, the great pile of rubble where the pitch was. Sure. Um, but there we are. We have, you know, we've moved forward and that's it. Have we settled into the, to the new stadium, do you think, now? Oh, because I think so. We're, we're practically, uh, we're making life quite difficult for ourselves, but what we're showing, I think, is, is a complete unwillingness to to lose there's that thing hanging over us isn't there that that lose the first game we haven't lost a game there yet and, and nobody wants to be part of the 11 that that loses yeah yeah i think i think we settled down very well um my only problem is i get lost in the back in the stadium because i <laughs> i knew every nook and cat cranny of, of um hybrid and um I sometimes go the wrong way at the Emirates and get lost. I think I'll get I'll get the hang of it one day. I think so. A trail of breadcrumbs, perhaps Hansel and Gretel. I think that may be the answer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, Mr. Hillwood. Thank you very much for talking to me today. It's a pleasure. That's great stuff. Very interesting stuff from the Arsenal chairman, Mr. Peter Hillwood. And I must uh, say thank you very much once again to him for taking the time to talk to lowly old Arsblog. And as well, a big thanks to JJ, who was the man in the middle who facilitated uh, that interview there. So thank you, sir. Hopefully we can bring you uh, some more interesting guests in the future of, of equal stature. Not that there's you know anything wrong with the likes of Gunnar Blogger and the man from East Lower and Good Play and all those things. They're, they're just not the chairman of Arsenal, are they? Not that that's their fault. Although, 
you have to question their ambition a little bit. Have any of have any of them tried to be chairman of Arsenal? Lads? Have you? I didn't think so. No point complaining to me that you're not chairman of Arsenal when you've never even tried. Have at it, boys. Come on. Show a little gumption. You never know what might happen. Anyway, another blog chat next week. Don't know who it's going to be with yet, um, but it's sure to be a disappointment after that one, so don't you worry. Now, the Arscast is brought to you by SavileRogue.com, who make fantastic cashmere football scarves for the discerning football fan. They're lovely and soft and warm and and red and white for Arsenal. And uh, they've given me two of them to give away this week. I'll tell you how you can win them right at the end of the show, so stay tuned. Now, as regular readers and listeners might have gathered, I'm, I'm fond of a pint or two, so it's, it's never a big problem to go down and speak to the man in the bar who this week gets a little bit sentimental over one of his favourite players. Now, normally, the number seven shirt at Arsenal is associated with a player of tremendous skill and vision and flair. Liam Brady... David, Rocky Rawcastle, Robert Perez, and at the moment, Thomas Rosicki. But there was a time when the number seven belonged to a hard bastard, whose main interest in the game was fouling and pinching and sticking his finger up people's bums. He was, of course, the Argentinian Nelson Rivas. Now, we signed him from some Swiss club, and he came in and was used a bit as sort of backup as left fullback or right fullback, and a bit in midfield as well. But he never quite got to grips with the English game, like so many Argentinians before and after him, such as Varane, or Crespo, or Che Guevara, who, unbeknownst to many, had a spell as right back for Leighton Orient in the early 60s. After not being able to get into the Arsenal team much at all at all, he went off on loan to Celta Vigo, and later he joined Inter Milan. And then he retired. And I was sad to see him go, actually. I liked him. I liked that bit of old fightingness he had about him. That whole punch-first, ask-questions-later thing was great. So I wrote a little song for Nelson Vivas. Don't cry for me, Nelson Vivas. The true days I never left you. All through those red cards, punching Phil Neville. You filthy bastard. You naughty devil. Go on now, get up the yard, Nelson, you legendary. Right in. What? A pint of Jemison's. Go on. The man in the bar will be back with another player history on next week's Arscast. Uh, this is usually the time where I go through your uh, contributions and and uh, emails and little uh, messages that you've left through. Um, there, there haven't been too many. There's been a couple about goalkeepers. One or two uh, questions this week about uh, what should we do if, uh, as seems likely, Jens Lehmann leaves in the summer. Um, what I might do is is ask you for your thoughts this week. If you could email them to arscast at arsblog.com. That's arscast at arsblog.com. And next week we can take a look at uh, who might be the possible replacements for Jens. Are we going to bring somebody in? Are we going to promote Almunia? Your thoughts on that. So why not uh, just drop an email to arscast at arsblog.com. Now this ties us in quite nicely uh, with what I was talking about earlier in terms of savilrogue.com. They have given me uh, this week two scarves to give away. 
Uh, and from the week after, there'll be one scarf in every single Arsecast to give away for the best contribution of the week. So whether that's an email or uh, an audio message on the Arsebyte system, which you can find details of on the Arsecast page on arsblog.com, uh, I'll pick, you know, whether it's the funniest or the most astute or the most intelligent, which might be pushing it a little bit, but I'll pick the best uh, contribution to the Arsecast, and that person will win themselves a beautiful cashmere scarf with thanks to SavileRogue.com. So, if you've got anything to add to next week's Arsecast, whether it's thoughts on goalkeepers or, or anything else, uh, email arsecast at arsblog.com or leave an audio message, and the two best ones will win themselves a Savile Rogue scarf. The only audio contribution this week came from Igor the Brute. Here he is. Dear Jamie Pollock, yesterday I was masturbating over your picture. Well, that's about it really. It was good in the end. What a strange and wonderful character he is. Thank you, Igor, as always, for your uh, wonderful contribution. Um, And speaking of strange and wonderful, Arsene Wenger Hawkins once had a poo in the shape of a pumpkin. That's got nothing to do with anything. This week he's feeling a little bit poetic. Hello, Arscast listeners. After the win against Bolton, I am feeling a bit poetic. So, I wrote a poem even though poems are, like, totally gay and stuff. It is called Ode to Sam. Oh Sam Allardyce, you make me feel sick. That is because you are a big prick. You shout at the ref, and you bitch, and you moan, and you sit in the stand and tuck on your phone. Oh Sam Allardyce, your song has no chorus, because you are fat and grotesque like a walrus. I wish I could stand in your shoes, in your place. I'd take an iron bar and smash in your face. Oh Sam Allardyce, though this poem has just started, I'd infect your sperm and make your kids retarded. I'd give up my career as a high-flying banker, to put you to death, you big fucking wanker. Oh Sam Allardyce, your team are such dicks, they're a bunch of despicable, insufferable pricks. I want you to know that you are right on track to suffer a fatal touchline heart attack. The end. I hate you, Sam Allardyce. Oh, yes. Thank you, Arsene Wenger Hawkins. He'll be back on next week's Arsecast with more Arsene Wenger Hawkins stuff. We are actually quite lucky to have him on the show this week because uh, he's been in a bit of trouble, you see. His ex-wife, he was married for about 13 years. Unlucky for some, of course. Uh, But he's defaulted on his alimony payments and his ex-wife, things didn't work out between them. You know, there were a number of of big issues. Um, uh, He liked Bruce Springsteen records and and she was a big John Cougar Mellencamp fan. And and I think you all know how those two, the rivalry between those two just made life impossible. Also, things in in the bedroom didn't work out. But I'll leave that to the man himself to, uh, to explain to you one day if he if he feels like it. Uh, but basically, because he's defaulted on the um, on the alimony payments, his wife, Helen Keller, Terry Schiavo, Linda Ronstadt Hawkins, um, got solicitors involved and also had her, her brothers come around and, and let the air out of his tires. Um, not only that, uh, they tied a knot in his catheter, which meant that he uh, filled up dangerously with his own wee and at one point was very close to bursting and spraying anybody within a 40-foot radius with his own with his own wee. Um, and nobody wants to be covered with Arsene Wenger Hawkins piss. It's just one of those things. It's like Tomcats, you see. Uh, it has this smell that you you just can't get away. 
Um, you can't clean it up no matter what you do. It's, it's there for ages and ages and ages. I, you know, I keep saying to him, Arsene Wenger Hawkins, you need to get yourself spayed. Uh, people will be more inclined to invite you into, into their home because, you know, you take one trip to the bathroom and, and basically the house is uh, uninhabitable. Anyway, that is uh, straying very, very far from the point. Um, the main point is that this Irish cast is just about over and done with. Uh, please remember, if you want to get in touch for next week's show, remember there's uh, two scarves provided by our sponsors, SavileRogue.com, uh, for the best contributions. So that means you either email or leave an audio message, and you can find details of how to leave an audio message by clicking on the Arsecast link on the Arsblog homepage. If you want to email, it's Arsecast at Arsblog.com. That's Arsecast at Arsblog.com. The two best contributions uh, that I pick for next week's show will receive a Savile Rogue scarf. Thank you very much for listening. Here's to a cracking win in the Cup against Blackburn. And uh, I'll talk to you next week on the Arscast and, of course, uh, all weekend and all week on the blog itself. So until uh, next Arscast, take it easy. Bye. holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.